Welcome to Step Monsters, a podcast all about the highs and lows of step parenthood. I'm Elise and this is Bailey. We're two friends bonded by this crazy stepmom world. Hi, Step Monsters. Welcome back. Normally, I don't do the introduction. It's Bailey, but I get the fun part this time. So we're really excited to have a special guest on who reached out to us on Instagram with a topic that she thought would be something that I would say, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage would be of stepmoms have dealt with this before in the legal process, and it's parenting coordinators. So if you're in a a situation that's higher conflict between the two co-parents, it can be a good tool to use through the court system. It's usually an attorney. Sometimes it's a therapist that basically acts as a mediator between the two co-parents to help make decisions for the kids. So we'll get into the specifics with Alex, but we're super excited to have you on. So thank you for reaching out to us. What a great topic idea. No, really good. Thanks for having me. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your situation and kind of the background so everyone knows where you're coming from. All right. Well, I think what I've said to both of you leading up to this point, I feel like my story is the story of a hundred thousand other women, but I met my fiance a few years ago and we've been together now for two years. He has three kids. They're uh, two girls and a boy aged 13, 11, and nine. So the eldest is the boy. Our relationship was honestly really fast and furious. Uh, We did know each other prior to connecting uh, romantic. So we had worked together. Uh, But basically what ended up happening was I relocated to the city in which I live now. And when I got here, uh, I messaged him on LinkedIn and I said, hey, guess who lives here now? And he was like, I don't know who. And I was like, me. Uh, We ended up meeting up for dinner like two weeks later and since then we've just been inseparable there was it was kind of immediate chemistry and you know a bunch of uh I don't want to call them red flags because I never really saw them as red flags but definitely not a situation that I really ever pictured myself being in I personally don't have children I was married previously we were together for 12 years we very consciously made the decision to not have kids when we split up I said there's no hope in hell I will ever be with anybody with children I'm not I'm not doing it so knowing that he had three kids and I, you know, at this point, like I could, like I saw some of the digital interactions between him and his ex-wife and I could see very quickly that it was a contentious situation. It was high conflict. I disagreed with a lot of the ways that he was approaching the situation, but I was like, you know what? Not my monkeys, not my circus. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. That's kind of the way that I saw it. So um, fast forward, he and I own our home together. The children live with us about 40 to 45%, I think is what it ends up being. They are really good kids. We have forged a strong relationship. I don't know that I can tell you that like I enjoy being a stepmom, if that makes sense. But I really, really love my fiance more than life itself. And part of that means caring for his kids, right? So when you when we love our partners in these situations, we have to extend that commitment to their children because they're an extension of them. Um, one of the things I actually say to the kids all the time is that I hope if the only role I play in your life is helping you be closer to your father, then I've done my job. So that's kind of my story. The, the relationship with the ex-wife remains very contentious, and that's why we're going to be here talking about parenting coordinators. So why don't you get into what the beginning process 
process looks like for people who just are completely unfamiliar, what it looks like to get a parenting coordinator? How does that happen? And then kind of the beginning legalities behind it. All right. So first and foremost, you have to live in a state in which parenting coordinators are permitted by the courts. So we do live in a state where parenting coordinators are allowed. And essentially what happens is you get a motion. You either file a motion or you receive a motion for the appointment of a parenting coordinator. Um, The appointment of a parenting coordinator where we live includes, I think, 20 different standard items. And then there's a second kind of section where you can add ad hoc if there's other areas that the parenting coordinator can make decisions. So step one is you have to have a custody order that's filed with the court, right? So it's filed and entered with the court. And then the second step is that motion is filed. So the motion was filed on my fiance. He didn't want it. I will tell you that there are line items in that appointment for the parenting coordinator, which had me concerned as a caregiver and a significant other. I was worried that this person was going to be able to make decisions that would really impact my freedoms as an adult who is not a party to the order simply because of my involvement with the children. There are standard practices and things that the the parenting coordinator will say that they will make recommendations on and basically you have to abide by. So once, so we'll preface by saying once the parenting coordinator makes the decision, you have to abide by that decision as if it is a part of your order. So in most states, there are, like Alex mentioned, specific things that they will tell you that they will listen to and hear both sides and and make basically a decision on and things that they won't. So I think some of the big things that they won't make decisions on, at least in the state that we're in, is major medical, education, just the the big things. They they don't modify the parenting schedule unless it's a one-time or very brief change. So they really aren't there to make huge decisions. And, And they definitely won't touch usually anything that's in your marital settlement agreement or or whatever the term is for that. So anything that has to do with money outside of things that directly concern the children, child support not involved in that. So just to clarify some of those pieces in case people are wondering. So I'm I'm actually wondering because this is a totally unfamiliar territory for me. So is the role of a parenting coordinator, are those appointed when you're in a situation that is considered just so high conflict that it's impossible for you to co-parent together in a way that could be productive for the kids? Or like, why does that even happen to begin with? Because obviously in all states, there are plenty of divorced parents who don't have a parenting coordinator. So why why is that even necessary? I think it's and I'll let Alex answer this as well, but I think it's normally when people are on such opposite ends of the spectrum and they just have a hard time, A, communicating and B, formulating a decision together that they need someone ongoing that can mediate the conversation to make just a finite decision. So it's like a mediator then. Yes, there are criteria at which point a parenting coordinator can be appointed. So where we live, if there's like a protective order in place, if there is a, you know, a history of abuse, if there is a lot of anger and mistrust, I think that's actually one of the line items and the criteria for the appointment of parenting coordinator. So in this case, I think it boiled down to anger and mistrust, the grief, the hurt, the anger of the divorce. They don't want to see their ex-spouse move on and be happy 
it's everybody else's fault but their own. And again, this is just observation on my part, but that's what I have seen across the several couples that I know that have a parenting coordinator in place. And so basically what you do is you relinquish your your parental rights, quite honestly, and you put significant, even if we don't, you know, we talk about major and minor decisions for minor children, right? So we talk about the majors being healthcare, education, religion, like kind of the big standards. And then you've got more minor decisions like extracurriculars, recreation, haircuts. I mean, it can be, it can be a, a magnitude of things. It can be bedtime, bath time, diet, like what the kid is eating. I'm sorry. Cool. Are you telling me? Sorry. I feel so, A, I feel super naive right now. And B, I feel super lucky. So are you telling me that you need a parenting coordinator, pardon my French, to mandate a fucking haircut and to mediate like disagreements between a haircut? This, Bailey, this is this, accurate. This person could essentially tell you what time you have to put your child to bed. I am blown away. Also, Alex, speaking to your comment, it A, infuriates me, B, breaks my heart when there are two people in a co-parenting situation that are selfish enough to put their own feelings and their own vendetta and their own needs ahead of the needs of their kids. We, uh, on Instagram today, we actually did a, a spill your tea post and gave people kind of an anonymous place to vent, so to speak. And the amount of people that have responded saying things to this effect where the damage that these bio moms are doing or bio dads or whomever it is in the blended family situation are doing just to spite their ex is insane. I'm like, you realize kids when they're that young are so influenced by everything around them. And some of that damage and trauma that you're causing is permanent. Like that's going to take them for the rest of their lives. They're going to have all the mommy issues, daddy issues, trust issues, abandonment issues. Like talk about mental health problems. I mean, I just, I wish people realized the emotional damage that you're doing to a kid by just wanting to get back at your ex or do something spiteful and petty. So I think that's why in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute, you need a mediator to decide what time my kid goes to bed because you as co-parents cannot agree on that. Like you gotta be fucking kidding me. I just, it's it like actually blows my mind. Yeah, there it's, and it's a, it can go a lot deeper. So the other, the other parts that they can make decisions on or any ambiguity or gaps in your order. So let's say you have an order that details the location of exchange. Okay, so the, maybe the location of exchange is each other's residence. Let's say that's what the language is in the order. Well, the parenting coordinator can put rules in place around that. The parenting coordinator can say, okay, the order is clear. You are to exchange at each other's houses. However, neither parent can exit their car and neither parent can exit their home. So you have to put significant distance. The children can only bring with them back and forth what they can personally carry. The adults cannot speak to each other. If other items have to be exchanged, like medication or something bulky, you need consent from one another to drop it on your front porch or something like that. That like they can literally go that specific. Now, when you're dealing with one or two, and I think that co-parent gives it way too much. These people are not co-parenting. They're parallel parenting at best. But when you have a situation where you have one or both who are very high conflict individuals, having that mediator enroll can be very helpful. 
helpful because, like Elise said, when the parenting coordinator makes a decision, as insignificant as you think this decision is, it's as though a judge made it and it becomes part of your order. And so if a parent doesn't follow, or not a parent, a party to the order, because it doesn't always have to be a parent, but a party to the order can be held in contempt of court. So they can be fined or jailed if they don't follow the rules. So it puts this level of accountability, like this accountability umbrella over these things that are not governed by the order. And so look, life is a constant negotiation and compromise right? So we're not going to win everything. We can't win everything. We're also not going to lose everything. But at the end of the day, what kids deserve more than anything else is happy and productive adults to learn from. And the longer we spend embellished in anger and focused on where the parents have to sit during exchanges because somebody can't behave themselves is absurd. Um, one of my stepchildren has a word, like she has named exchange time and she calls it friction time. So to your point, there have been not only initially when my husband and I were dating and he sent me his his, uh, you know, agreed order for how to parent the kids. And I called him crying. And I'm like, it is so sad that two kids have to be raised by the premise of what a judge and what a court says. And then, you know, ongoing, there have been things that same thing. I'm like, it's insane to me how involved a court system can be in your personal life. And things that they know nothing about you, truly, but they're making decisions that greatly impact your life. And at one point, our parenting coordinator had, and, and though I'm not a party to the agreement, so truly I can do whatever I want to do because I didn't sign off on anything that I was going to behave a certain way, um, but had made, you know, things that impacted my ability to go to dance practices or attend rehearsals. I, I essentially could not attend anything that grandparents couldn't attend. And instead of proving my point of, I want to be here. And I think it's important for me to have these moments because I love these kids. I didn't want to ruffle feathers with my husband's ex-wife. I didn't want to make her angry. So I did what she asked and I didn't attend that stuff because that was by her request. And so, you know, I, I've had to miss out on things that I deem as important. And I, I don't know if my husband's kids wouldn't want me there or maybe they would say, God, we're so happy. Like you're not able to come. But it's like you said, we're not a party to the agreement. If you are a party to the agreement, you really do have to abide by it or you're in contempt of court. But, um, Sometimes it's just best to keep the peace and and yeah. do what you're told per se. So you bring, you raise such a good point. So like I told you guys a few minutes ago, when the motion for the appointment of the parenting coordinator came in, it detailed me a lot, like in a way that came across as uh, obsessive and quite concerning to me. And I really could not find any resources online about what this was going to mean for me as my fiance's fiance and significant other. I really couldn't find anything about it other than just lawyers' websites be like, this is what a parenting coordinator does. Here's the decisions they can make. Call us to get an appointment for a parenting order. See if a parenting coordinator is the right fit for you. Or YouTube videos of attorneys. You know, I watched this like one role play of how, you know, a parenting coordinator mediates 
dates. And I was like, this is not how this is going to go. I know how this is not going to go. So you are not wrong, Elise, at all. As the step parents in this situation, we're not a party to the order at all. And so we don't have to do anything. We really don't have to do anything. And what I learned very, very quickly in this relationship after mine and my fiance's relationship was uh, divulged to the ex-wife and to the children was that I needed a very quick reality check in that I'm not going to be an individual who is heavily involved in the lives of these kids. That's just not what it's what it's going to be. Um, so things like schoolwork when they're here and they need help with their homework or especially through virtual learning. I was on point for a lot of that. Uh, no problem. That's fine. Doing that doesn't mean I have to go to parent-teacher meetings or that I have to be involved in education decisions in the least. I, I, and quite honestly, it's a bit of a relief that I don't have to make those decisions. Um, the other thing about this is like, I just, I know that I'm not going to be going to graduations. I just won't go because I care more for the kids emotional well-being and enjoying those experiences than being worried about conflict between mom, stepmom, and dad. My ego doesn't need to be fed in that capacity to say like, hey, celebrate me. Like I participated in this whole thing. But that doesn't mean that I'm not assisting in the raising of these kids. It's a very strange world that we live in. But I think for a lot of stepmoms, particularly where you have a parenting coordinator involved, just don't get yourself into a position where the parenting coordinator can make a decision that impacts your freedoms, right? That that impacts your ability to continue to care about the kids. Because here's the other thing. There is this societal pressure particularly on the stepmother, to be dumped into a household with children that are not hers and boom, you have to love them. It's just not the way the world works. You can't take two humans and shove them together and say, okay, now you must love each other. But caring for our partners and caring for their children means that you have to be able to just step aside and really realistically look at what your role is going to be in their lives. My fiance has not had any decisions bestowed upon him that impact me at all. I believe there was not a decision, but a comment made by the parenting coordinator that I have to stay out of exchanges as much as possible. But at the end of the day, this person comes to my property. If I want to be outside during that time, I can be outside during that time. There's nothing anybody can do about it. You can't hold a party to an order in contempt if a third party has violated. It's just not the way, this is not the way the law works here. But again, always review everything with your lawyer, make sure you understand what you're doing. But the other part of it is, particularly as women who tend to manage households with a little bit more attention, care, and organization than our partners and that's okay we're not we're not looking for parity or equity here this is just a thing we do have to know what those decisions are and we have to know what the order says it's important that we take a role of support in our relationships, right? So I believe that my role is to support him in parenting and performing to these decisions and his order, but it's certainly not to manage it. You're like, you're not the lead actress, but you're the supporting character, right? 
So I want to backtrack for a second. And so you said that attending graduations, you just know that that's never something that you're going to do because, you know, you, you don't need that for yourself. For me, I think graduations aren't about me so much as seeing that milestone and witnessing it and being a part of that special moment for them. So I don't know. I'm sure people have varying opinions on this, but I like to be a part of the milestones because it's just the memory of it, right? And and being able to be there and like be so proud of them and they've accomplished something and you get to celebrate them. But what are your thoughts on that? So I can see it completely through both lenses. We are people that are helping to raise these kids, right? How they turn out as adults is not our responsibility, but we still are helping to raise them. And we do get to watch them and support them through trials, tribulations, failures, and successes, right? We we do live through all of this. So I can see the point and like, it's so important to be there to support them, to celebrate these significant milestones with them. But I don't believe that there will ever be a time where their anxiety and fear of what will happen when the adults are all in the same place at the same time won't outweigh the celebration of the day. It's not Mm -hmm. my job to take that from them. Their graduations aren't about me. You know, it's not about me. It's about them. So, and that's just one example. There's a lot of stuff I stay out of. I don't go to sporting stuff unless I know absolutely that mom isn't going to be there. You know, I'll take a kid to a football practice or a dive practice or a swim practice if I know absolutely that mom's not going to be there. But if there are meets or games or things where I know mom likes to go and support her kids and, and that is her right more than it is my right. These are her kids. And it means more to those children that she be there than me. I mentioned, you know, you can't take two human beings and just put them in a room together and say, poof, you must love, you must love each other. And as high conflict as their mother is, And I know they're figuring it out, particularly the eldest. He's very aware of what's happening. I had a mom like that. I have my my parents' divorce story. They needed a parenting coordinator, honestly. But I had a mom like that. And I became aware of who she was sometime around the age of nine or 10. I remember kind of having like this light bulb thing, just being like, oh my God, maybe it's not me. It might be her. Or maybe it's not all these other people that she has problems with. Maybe she's the problem. Like I do remember that distinct time in my life where I I started to realize this. Doesn't matter. I loved that woman enough to die for her. You know what I mean? Like the biological bond between a child and their parent is not anybody not not in rare circumstances can even the biological parent and the child destroy the bond so it's not something that we should discount and again like I I really do believe that being a good step parent is knowing that boundary just like creating that boundary and let the kids have it in time this will all unfold as adults and whatever there's nothing to be proven at this point you're totally right. I We say that all the time. I feel like almost every episode, like, you don't have to say a bad word. They will figure it out eventually on their own. As they get older, they start to see true realities of who is who, who's creating the conflict, who is painting pictures that may or may not be true. So, I mean, your your story alone is, is a proof point for that. 
And I also think, so what you had said was, you know, these sporting events and all of these moments in their lives, obviously the bio mom has more of a right to be there than you do or, or I do. And for the most part, I think extreme situations aside when the bio mom's just like not involved at all. I agree with that. And I, I find myself somewhat struggling with that mentality because it's like, it almost feels hypocritical for me to, to say, well, I deserve to be there too, because the other side to that is I'm, you know, I'm thinking about the bio mom and I'm thinking about how she might feel about me coming to a graduation or a sporting event. And she's thinking, great, now my kid's not going to play as well because everybody's here and they know we don't get along and that causes tension and feelings. And surely I don't want that either. And you're right. I need to remember when to take a step back because it isn't about me. It's about the kids. And I surely will not allow myself to be disrespected. That's for damn sure. Like I know how to set my boundaries to say, this is how you're allowed to treat me and this is how you're not allowed to treat me. But sometimes there's like this unspoken feeling and this unspoken friction and tension where you're like, you know what, just go without me. It's totally fine. I have plans with some girlfriends, whether I do or not. <laughs> and I, or I'm, I'm going to be out of town. And you just, you find something to take the pressure off. And I don't know that I've done that. Like looking back and reflecting on sort of my own attendance, I was like that I'm fucking going and you cannot tell me one way or the other. I'm going to be there. And and for the most part, like when we're all together, it's cordial on the outside, but it's forced and it's fake and everybody knows it. And I mean, most recently we were at my stepson's birthday dinner like a month ago and even my stepdaughter was like, oh, this is awkward. And it wasn't that anybody was doing anything to make it awkward. It's just that it is. And I think stepmoms in particular need to be better about recognizing that and being able to say, again, this is not about me. If they have a great relationship with their mom, that's a great thing. And let them have that. Let them be happy. Let them say good things about their mom and support that narrative because the mother-child relationship is a really important one long-term in any kid's lives. And the last thing you want to do is impede on that. But it's, gosh, that's such a like hard thing for just any human to come to terms with because it's a, it goes against everything that we're supposed to do and that we're told that we're supposed to feel. So it's so counterintuitive. The piece of looking at it from, like, I love what you said, Bailey, where if everyone is there and the kids are anxious, it could totally affect their performance. And that's not really things that you naturally think about, but we should be thinking about. So Alex, kudos to you for like bringing up that piece of the pie because it is super important. And really it does make you look at things of as much as we want to be a part of those milestones and, and there for those events, how are the kids feeling and what are their thoughts on it? Are they like, oh my God, I wish not everyone was here or maybe they wish just one person was there or both people are just their mom and dad. You never know. And I think that's important to have conversations like that with the kids just to see where they're at and what their expectation is and what they prefer. So my stepson received an award at school. So he got a spots award at school. And this was during virtual learning. So the award ceremony was on Zoom. And he comes to me and he says, hey, Alex. And he gets this little sheepish little look on his face. And th this face, I know, I know something's coming. And I was like, yes. He's like, can you come talk to me for a second? I said, sure. And he asked me to come into his room and sit on his bed. And he said, with this little look on his face, he goes, are you coming to my spots award and I said I hadn't really thought about it do you want me to and he goes no I was like oh 
you just want mom and dad to go? And he's like, yeah. I was like, is this one of those things where this is for mom and dad only? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I am so grateful that you told me this because I didn't know which way the conversation was going to go. Either you want to be there or you didn't want me there. Personally, I, I wasn't planning on going. It was something that I thought more appropriate for mom and dad but I I really do appreciate the conversation and then the like the other things that we have so these kids have done a really good job of opening up and you know accepting me into their lives the girls write me these cute little notes especially the little one she likes to tell me how much she has grown because of me and that I've shown her like a different lens into the world uh, I got my first I love you this past weekend yay oh, that's exciting that's adorable love it you just you're setting such a good example because you're letting them know that it's okay to feel however they want to feel and they're allowed to say i don't want you involved in this without you making them feel guilty that is so critically important also on the bio mom side like do not make your kids feel guilty if they want their stepmom there like let the stepmom be there and don't make your kids feel weird about it but you have totally nailed the art of this alex so i'm I'm excited for other people to hear that you have to put your feelings aside and you have to make sure that your kids, because remember, they are kids and they need permission sometimes to feel a certain way, especially if it feels counterintuitive to how they think they're supposed to feel. So many complexities there. I, you know, so we, you know, I think the point of what I'm I'm trying to bring forward is that the kids and I do have a good relationship. And when they're here at our house, it is a lot of like, hey, Alex, can you take me to this friend? Like I'm on the text messages with other moms and other dads organizing play dates. Like I took my stepson and two, his, and two of his friends and his little sister and we all went to the pool together for the afternoon and ate pizza. <laughs> Just like, and I look around at my life, I'm like, where has this been coming? But what I was really worried about with the parenting coordinator is that I wasn't going to be able to do stuff like that. And it's not that I, you know, I live my life to be able to hang out with the kids. And I really do give a lot of space for them and dad. I have step parents, I have stepdad and I have a stepmom and they are tremendous people. I have mad respect for them, especially my stepdad. My stepdad took over parenting us like because my mother is one of the most challenging human beings alive. But like my stepdad was that like the center of raising us. But still, as great as my step parents are, even to this day, I would like my stepmom to just give me and my dad some time together. Like I'd like to just have some time with him. And so I keep that in mind. I give a lot of time to dad and kids. But I was really worried that I guess rules would be put in place that I wouldn't be able to continue to develop rapport and relationship with the kids. But it's it also becomes pretty obvious, like your specific parenting creator, it becomes obvious relatively quickly what they will and just won't get themselves involved in. And so when it has come to me, she's pretty much just ignored mom's bitching, moaning and woning and just dramatics and uh, I mean, uh, smear campaigns, whatever it is. Your situation is a little bit different because mm -hmm. And I won't get into the details, but you have some pretty solid evidence to show 
that her behavior is just extremely inappropriate. So it's easy to discredit her. Not everyone has that ability. And, you know, sometimes the stepmoms do get trampled on. And it's a very real and concerning thing when you're dealing with the legal system. But for you, you have a bit of a benefit there. And it's like a double-edged sword for you. Terrible that you have to deal with that. But good that you have uh, documented. Document, document, document. I mean, honestly. (laughs) Should that be the tagline of this episode? Document everything. (laughs) Yeah. So... I, I never imagined living my life under so much surveillance, quite honestly. The kids have lied about me quite a bit. Um, they have, uh, and like the guilt weighs on them so hard. Like they eventually collapse under the weight of their lies and then they admit it. And we know it's, so we've had to put very firm boundaries in place around privacy versus secrecy. So it's not about keeping secrets, but it's about not gossiping and lying and being respectful of people's privacy. My fiance and I have worked with Mary T. Kelly, and I don't know if you know of her, but she is like the step family therapist and coach extraordinaire. Let's bring um, her on. She oh available? my God. <laughs> Reach out to her. I think we her should. website is realstepfamilies.com. I think that's Mary's information. She would gladly come talk to you. And she is awesome. It is, she gives you a big old fat mirror to look into. She's a a straight shooter. It all comes from a place of living it herself. So she's lived this life herself and she wants nothing more than to help people just find peace. But, you know, one, one thing that she really did a good job of working through with us was like this whole thing of the kids lying and their guilt. And, you know, I will admit that I felt a lot of guilt because watching these children live in this high conflict situation with a mom that's quite similar to mine in many ways, except my mom was better at the facade like just way better at the facade. She was never going to lose her cool. That woman can keep her shit together through anything. But what it has, what this experience has done for me is that um, it stirs back up some of the traumas you forgot even existed. Like you, di- you didn't actually know that, that it, it is a trauma. It's something that was even ever there. And then you're like, whoa, I got to take a step back here for a second. But what Mary has done such a good job with for me and my fiance, and, and I'll say we've spoken to her like, I think three or four times. The great thing about Mary is it's not this ongoing. How do you feel? How do you feel? It's like, no, cut their shit out. Like it's, it's really like that. But we had this big conversation about privacy versus secrecy in terms of the kids, because we don't want kids keeping secrets, right? That they, Oh God, the weight you put on a child. But what Mary did coach us in is that children have to be taught compassion and empathy. They are not born with it. And so for you, Alex, there is nothing wrong with telling them that when they lie about you, when they gossip about you, that it really does hurt your feelings. And it's okay to do that. So we've put some very rigid boundaries in place around gossiping, lying, really helping the kids understand that these are not good characteristic traits they want to develop and carry with them into adulthood. It will only get them into trouble. They will struggle in every relationship they kind of come across. I mean, 
keep in mind kid-appropriate terminology and language here. But I think for what's what's just so important is as much as we we want the validation throughout this, like when we know these kids are lying about us because it makes mom happy to hear that life is miserable at dad's, you know, whatever. We ended up just putting surveillance everywhere because what was happening was I was starting to be accused of mistreating the children and I was worried that a lie was going to come that I had harmed a child, that I had neglected a child, something. So in our house, all the entire exterior of the home, every corner of our yard is under surveillance and every single square footage of this house, except for bedrooms and bathrooms, are recorded when the kids are here. We turn the surveillance off when they're not here, but when they are here, they're on. And we also make sure that we have cars that have 360 degree cameras that record all the time because we just don't know. Uh, We don't know what's coming. Question for you. When the lie happens, and especially with a parenting coordinator involved, how does your parenting coordinator handle that when maybe say your husband as a normal parent would have a conversation with a child and say, you know, you said this, let's talk about it. If your parenting coordinator was presented with something like this, what would their suggestion be to your husband? So it has been presented and I can't remember exactly how. I can't read all of mom's emails that go to the parenting coordinator. I, it's just, it's such a waste of time. And like I said, you know, this situation for me has become very boring. Uh, it's just so predictable. It's the same rhetoric on repeat. There's nothing new or interesting happening at this point. It's just blah. But I believe what the parenting coordinator was something along the lines of your children are stuck in the middle. They're trying to make you happy. If you have concerns about the rules or whatever at dad's house, talk to dad. If the kids are complaining about something, encourage them to speak with the other parent, like the parent they're complaining about, or with their therapist. I think it was something like that. This parenting coordinator that is assigned to this case, number one, no clue how these people do this job. This the the type of stuff that she's had to decide on for this case, like even just putting in place a shared calendar. Mom didn't want a shared calendar. It was like a spiel this long about why there should be no shared calendar. That's insane. That's like parallel parenting at best. You're gonna have a shared calendar. You just you gotta know where the kids are and you gotta know their schedules and what they're doing and custody time and vacation is just such a simple way to communicate without having to directly communicate. Like why not have a shared calendar? But yeah, she does handle it really well and like I said when it comes down to me like when the smear campaigns hit the email train and lawyers are on CC and whatever uh, the first one I saw I was like sick to my stomach I was like how is there so much hate here like how does this help kids I don't get it I don't understand what's happening now it just bounces right off of me the parenting coordinator she doesn't really bat an eye at it she just kind of ignores it and moves along that's good that she encourages you, your husband, everybody involved to have open communication because sometimes that's not the case. That's, you know, don't talk to the kids or X, Y, Z. So awesome. Well, we've talked about so much and it's amazing to hear your perspective. Not only you and Bailey,
really both come from parents of divorce. And so as stepkids that are now stepmoms, um, it's always really interesting for me to hear the different perspective because you have been there and done that as a child of divorce. So we really appreciate you joining us and we look forward to our conversations further offline and getting to know you. It's been wonderful. So thank you for your time. And if anyone has any questions for Alex about the process of parenting coordinator, we're happy to bridge the gap and get you in touch or be the mediator for questions you might have. <laughs> it is like it is unknown territory out there. I mean, I think if I have just one piece of advice before we go, I do believe that lawyers make better parenting coordinators than therapists. Like I think therapists do have their role, but lawyers are just more familiar with the law and what judges will and will not tolerate. Yeah, there's definitely a place for both. Like Elise had mentioned, if you have additional questions for Alex on anything parenting coordinator related or even her amazing mentality on disengaging and allowing her stepkids to feel whatever way they need to feel without her making them feel guilty, you can always shoot us an email. Our Gmail, as a reminder, is stepmonsterpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, please follow us on Instagram at Stepmonster Podcast. We are here for you. Send us ideas, send us questions, schedule a coaching session with us, buy one of our new stickers that we just released, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Bye.